This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann, I'm in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. You've got more rain heading your way. Oh, yep. We're battening down the hatches because um, we will get, we're going to get a good slosh of rain um, sometime between Monday and Tuesday. It looks like it's going to stay around for quite a while. Yes, unfortunately. And um and everything is so wet because as you know over the summer we have just had so much rain and everything's wet the ground's wet it hasn't had a chance to dry out and it's not going to so it's going to be rain on rain but um as long as people are prepared they're they're warning us to be prepared so it's up to us to do that indeed and who are we introducing today. It is my great pleasure to introduce my friend and fellow Fakatani inhabitant, David Stewart. David, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's with the weather, it's almost like the climate's changing, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Who would think? (laughs) Almost like No, no, I, I bumped into an old fellow on the side of the road and he told me that this has been going on for millions of years and it's got nothing to do with what everyone says it is. Good. Just to me, I have no idea what you call somebody from Fakatani. Is it a Fakatanian? A fucker. A good fucker. <laughs> so, David, we've been asking people for nearly three years now how their bubble life's going. How did your bubble life go? Um, the first, uh, uh, the first bubble, I thought it was just brilliant. Um, I reset up my workshop to do a video uh, podcast, basically, of all of the songs I'd written over my life that were never good enough to be broadcast anywhere else. But lockdown one gave me uh, a reason to broadcast those songs, so it was great. Are they still around? Yeah, they're on my YouTube channel, I think. I think they're there. I've uploaded them there once. Yeah, I think all of them are up there. We shall definitely have a listen. Have you always been a musical type of person? Um, Yeah, I uh, I was born in 1957, and when I was five, my parents and then my grandparents took me to see the Beatles uh, movie, Hard Day's Night, and um, I saw these guys being chased down the road by girls. And I thought, that's a job. That's a job I could do. And um, it never happened. But the music was fun. 
Let's go straight to the first of your music choices. It's not the Beatles. It is the Undertones, Teenage Kicks. Why this one? Well, because I'm still a teenager. Whenever I think of music, I think of the music I grew up with. Um, And that can be the Seekers or the Beatles or whatever. But I just think Teenage Kicks, that song Teenage Kicks, just sums up you can play that at my funeral and you can play it twice. just got this picture in my head of you running down the road being chased by girls now. I don't know how that would go now, though. You'd have to be on your e-bike. It wouldn't be running fast. David, just recently um, I was driving through Whakatane out to the hub and I came up to our roundabout and I could see somebody standing there uh, holding a sign, and I thought, gosh, that looks like David Stewart. And it was you standing in the middle of the roundabout. Will you share that story with us? Well, I had to go up to visit some friends in the far north, and as I was going into Auckland over the Bombay Hills, there was a farm on the side of the road, and the farmer had put a whole lot of hay bales, silage bales together, haylage, and it had spelt out resignation accepted. And in the middle of that sentence, there was a stake 
and on that stake was a rectally skewered stuffed horse with red paint for lipstick. And I was just so upset that the, the sight of that thing and that the message that it conveyed made me really angry. And I've never, ever in my life hit anyone. I don't think I've ever thrown a punch in my life. And I, I got the feeling that that was about to change. So I kept driving and I drove all the way up north and I came back two days later and uh, as I went past that hill again, I knew I was going to go home and make a sign and stand on the side of the road and convey, convey another message. And I didn't really think much more about it other than I had to counter that somehow. And I couldn't think of any other way than doing exactly what he had done with the opposite message. For our international uh, listeners who who might not understand what's happened, uh, our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern um, had resigned, uh, and there there is this movement against her that was a lot was violent, that was full of um, horrendous imagery, uh, and that was one of the contribu contributing things to her resigning was that this violence. Um, and these violent ideas and, and that sign on that farm depicting her as a horse um, and uh, and just the, all that negativity around that um, was is what David's talking about. Um, and one of you know that, that kind of thing after having endured years of that, she just said, "I've had enough." And then yeah. what David? Well, uh, uh, yeah, when I watched her resignation, my the impact on me was oh my god i'd always given this woman a credit for being able to handle all of this abuse and i thought it was one of her really um defining things of her um prime ministership was how she handled that abuse and i realized then that she hadn't and she'd only put on this this facade that she was that it was she was okay with it and I thought you know the people who were giving that abuse we hadn't stood up to them enough and uh yeah so I, I, I you know dusted off uh, a, a hunk of cardboard out of uh, Harvey Norman's uh recycling bin I know Harvey Norman probably didn't vote for Jacinda Ardern but I was happy to take a piece of this cardboard and make the sign and tack a New Zealand flag to it. And I've got to say, it's the first time I've been to a lot of protests in my life. That's the first time I've ever waved a, a flag with the uh, Union Jack on it at a protest. That's <laughs> I felt. Why do you think that somebody whose message is kindness and has clearly demonstrated that for several years generated such a hateful response? I don't think it was a message of kindness that generated the response. I think that what we saw was the entitlement. We saw the sound of entitlement, that the, the national narrative is that we are the only people fit to govern. And in 2017, um, Jacinda Ardern led uh, a government that was a very unlikely and, and difficult coalition. Um, using MMP 
And we had three years of these people telling us that MMP was a bad thing and we needed to go to a first-past-the-post system. Well, in 2020, Jacinda Ardern led a government that won a, a first-past-the-post election and they just lost their shit. They lost all connection with a sensible argument. And into that mix came all of the other stuff, the, the anti-vaxxers and the 1080. So what we saw was all of these people who thought it was their God-given right to rule over us, humiliated. And when you humiliate a bully, uh, they just become bullier. Mm -hmm. That's what, and I really think that's what happened. It was just the victory of 2020 just sent these people into tailspin. Of all the responses that you got for your sign, what did your sign say, David, when you received that? Well, I, yeah, it said, thank you, Jacinda. And um, then I looked at it and I thought, oh, people might be thinking I was saying thank you for going. So I wrote best PM ever, and I had a little twinkle in my eye when I wrote that because I thought that'll out-troll the trolls. <laughs> and I think that the, you, you, and the, the big word was Jacinda, and as soon as people saw that, they got the I got the reaction, which I expected, you know. What I didn't expect was how much support I would get. I expected a lot, uh, mostly abuse, but that was very minor. And but, loud, but loud. I remember at one point seeing on social media that someone had an assigned written vehicle had, had hurled abuse at oh, you, and I just thought that that level of stupidity is next level, isn't it, really? Yeah, <laughs> so, so, I, so, I got, so I got in touch with them. Uh, the, it was a builder, a local builder, and... Um, yeah, I, I videotaped my um, my stand in order to um, add some sort of context to it later for me. And a guy went past twice, and the second time he w was driving his vehicle, but he had a phone camera in his left hand, and his other hand was in front of the camera giving me the finger. So he was driving the vehicle without a steering, without any control of the steering wheel. So I got hold of him and asked him if he thought that was a smart move, especially given that it was being filmed. And he said he didn't know what I was talking about. So I edited the video and sent it to him. And um, he went silent for about six hours. And he came back and I posted something on social media that he could see but not the I didn't want to I didn't want to identify him and it turned out it was his son and he said I've spoken to the driver of the vehicle and reminded him of health and safety requirements about <laughs> operating devices while driving and I mean I was stupid I still am you know we all do dumb things and I have this this innate thing inside me that no one's ever wrong. People just make mistakes. And I think that was a mistake. And I wanted to give the guy the opportunity to correct this mistake. And he did. And people were telling me to post this stuff online and 
expose them and all the rest of it. And I thought, you know, that it wasn't the right way to approach it. The right way to approach people who are mistaken is to offer them the opportunity to correct it. And he did. So that worked. Well, that's a good thing. Mm. So for the most part, it was real positive response and your negative responses were a lot less than you expected. Do you think that there is actually just an overwhelming appreciation in our community for, for, for the work that she's done and for how we've benefited from that? And it's just that, 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 that really, um, that group of haters, if for want of a better word, is just noisy rather than big. Yeah, I work with guitar amplifiers and a guitar signal is very, very quiet. The, the actual signal that comes out of an electronic guitar is not very loud and you apply a current to it and through various uh, circuitry, you amplify that signal. And I think we've got a very loud and very amplified noise going on that if I was doing this electronically, I would just snip it out, you know, um, and I would call it a fault in the system. And the fault that we have in the system is that this negativity has been amplified so much that someone saying something positive, which I think is where most of us are, most of us are good people, uh, that becomes out of the ordinary, extraordinary. Somebody saying thank you is considered extraordinary. And someone saying, that's, that's normal. Mm -hmm. And there's something wrong with our, our um, media or whatever, but our broadcasting network seems to only want to amplify the negative, and I think we need to address that. I think it's our biggest problem. I agree. I don't know that it's just the media. When we were tramping last week, on the last night of, of tramping, there was this well-dressed woman, old elderly woman from Christchurch, and the, the you know late at night at the hut, and everyone was busily having a chat, and then somebody said something about. Uh, now Jacinda's gone, do you think we're going to get the um, well, capital gains tax come back? Um, and she went off on this tirade for about five minutes about how tax was evil um, and taxing the rich people was just trying to was, – was stopping the rich people wanting to make money and giving the rich – giving the money to the poor people was a mistake because then they wouldn't know what the value of money was and they'll just waste it anyway. On and on and on like this. And the whole hut went silent – and you could see everybody in the hut was like looking around and, and you could see I've, I've swapped, you know, looked into other people's eyes and stuff. And it was all like, are you going to take her on? And nobody did. <laughs> nobody. It was just like the whole hut kind of agreed silently that she was wrong. But nobody did anything. Mm. Yeah, we've lost our we've lost our will. Um, and, and this is the, the, my big takeaway from this whole experience from a couple of weeks ago standing on the side of the road it was really humbling the amount of people that stopped or interacted with me afterwards and said god that was so brave that was so bold and so courageous and i was floored by that because i didn't really for a second 
maybe for a nanosecond, but not for very long, did I think I was putting myself at any risk. Um, I just thought I had to do this. You know, this has got to be done. And I'm the guy to do it because I don't think of any other way to respond. So I didn't really think of the, the, a safety issue. But the amount of people that said, that was so brave. And I thought, why? Why is that considered brave? Why is saying thank you to somebody, even if you don't agree with their, the job they've done or anything about them, just not accepting that someone has finished a job and you thank them for it? Why is that considered brave? And the reason it's considered brave is because of this amplified hate that we've got that people who want to simply say something nice are silenced. Now, these people that are telling us this, that these people that are broadcasting this hate are also throwing in a message that their freedom of speech is, is being attacked and is being undermined by these liberal, left-wing, communist, fascist, dictatorship, Stalinist, Maoist, Reaganites, um, the nonsense that, that they are being silenced. And we hear it constantly. We hear constantly that these people aren't being heard. They don't even see the absurdity of it that we're being bombarded with their apparent lack of free speech. Yet someone decides to stand on the side of the road and say, thanks an ex-Prime Minister for five years of service and they're considered brave for speaking up. And I just want to know who is being silenced. Why in that hut, Sam, why in that hut was no one prepared to take her on? You know, because we all know where that conversation would have gone. So we, the good people, the good guys, are being silenced. And we are so used to being silenced. You know, McCarthyism, this is McCarthyism. It's just a it's just a reheated version and it's a crap version of it because it hasn't even got anything original. This is McCarthyism. If you're a lefty, shut up. Stop talking or we're going to do something that you're not going to like and it's going to hurt you. We're going to ring up your boss. We're going to dob you in. We're going to find out where you work and ring your employer and complain about you for being a lefty. And it's, it's bullshit. And at the same time, they're broadcasting this narrative that they're being silenced. And this is, a, this is the biggest problem we've got, is that we're buying into it. We're shutting up. Any ideas how we can turn that around? Turn it around. It's very simple. If you're, if you're running down a hill and the hill is steep, and you don't fall over, you're just going to keep running. But if you stop and fall down and get back up again, you can handle it. And all we have to do is just turn it around. You know, um, somebody says giving money to the poor teaches them that money has no value. What about giving money to the rich? Doesn't it teach them that? That would be my argument in that conversation. <laughs> well, what does giving money to the rich do? Does it not teach them that money has no value as well? Or is there something different about them? And if so, what is it? And explain yourself. And you just simply, you just simply hold up the mirror and say, 
This is what you're saying. This is what you're saying. Now, defend it. And then they'll come back with, I'm just stating my opinion. And you're going, no, you're not. You're stating facts and your facts are wrong. So therefore your opinion doesn't stand up to the mirror. And that's all we have to do is hold up a mirror. And be, and be, and be, be prepared to, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't take you. You're going to lose some arguments, but you have to make a stand because we're losing our democracy. We're losing it. How can we amplify to to use that idea? You know, if you are the side of the road in, in Fakatani, how can we amplify that kind of message? Given that the the media seems to think that that's not news, and you know that sort of thing doesn't, it's like they'd, they'd probably put it in the in the same space in the newsroom as the 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 cake stall. They're not seeing it as confrontation. They're not seeing it as newsworthy. How do we get that message through? Numbers. I, I went to uh, uh, I did a homecoming to to Scotland. Um, and it was uh, 2008 or 2009, and I got to um, Edinburgh Castle. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's this narrow road up to Edinburgh Castle. And I just thought, what a, what a, and it's a very commanding um, site, Edinburgh Castle. And on this hill, and it's only one way up. And our tour guide said that the castle had been taken six times. And I, I looked around and I just said, how? And she said, numbers. And that's how you take a castle, with numbers. And that's how you take down hate, with numbers. And it means that we all have to do a bit. But if we all do a bit, we'll get there. If we do nothing, we'll just end up surrendering. And surrendering is not an option in this. How can we do it without creating confrontation? Or is the confrontation a necessary part of that? Well, it's not all about confrontation. You know, it's not all about confrontation. You can get away with anything. And I know this. I have lived this in my life. You can say anything if you've got a smile on your face. And it's how you deliver that message. You know, and... You know, the woman, go back to the woman in the hut. You just go, oh, that's interesting. How, how, how does that, you know, and you just keep a smile on your face. You don't, you, you're still being confronting. You're confronting the issue, but you're not being confrontational, but you're not letting the thing just slide. You just offer some resistance, you know, and, and this is what happens in an amplifier that you start with a with full volume and then you apply a resistor and how much variable resistance you put through is how much volume you get out so just add variable resistance to that to that signal and if you're in a situation where people are yelling and screaming and fighting cut down the resistance and get the hell out of there but if someone's having a conversation over you know, an after-dinner drink and, and a hut over, you know, God, the poor are hopeless. Well, let's not give them any more money. There's a way to deal with that. You're not always going to win, and you're not going to beat her. 
but you might give somebody else in that crowd the argument to take somewhere else when that conversation comes up with them. And it's just adding to the numbers and not being frightened to say what needs to be said. And there are things right now that need to be said. And a couple of weeks ago, someone needed to say thank you to Jacinda Ardern. And, and thank you. Sorry. Yeah, and thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, well, it, it had to be said. And, you know, I work in, I, I, my, my career has been varied, but I ended up in horse racing accidentally. And I am not <laughs> there. I am not there, uh, uh, there, what do you call it, their target. I am not that demographic. I am not a horsey person. Most of these people are strong national blue bloods. But I did a job that no one else could do, so I could say what I, I needed to say at various places and got away with a lot that I wouldn't have got away with if I was just making the coffees or, you know, scooping up the horse shit in the, in the um, birdcage. Um, but one of the things I have never, ever stepped back from is saying what needs to be said. and we all have to acknowledge that things sometimes you have to say what needs to be said it's how you say it and if you say it the wrong way you're going to get nowhere but you've got to find the right way to deliver that message and it's not impossible to do let's go for the second of your music choices let's have oh, billy bragg between the wars why this one i was a railway man and um Billy Bragg come along. I saw him, uh, oh, early eighties. No, it must yeah, it would have been very early eighties um, on the South Bank show. And there was this guy, and he had a guitar, and it was electrified, and he had these speakers up on his shoulders, and he was singing these really, really political songs. And I thought, I could do that. That's a good job. I'd already decided by this stage that the girls weren't going to chase me down the road. So maybe <laughs> I could, maybe I could. Say what needs to be said in a song. I was a miner, I was a docker, I was a railwayman between the wars. I raised a family in time of austerity with sweat at the foundry between the wars. I paid the union and as times got harder I looked to the government to help the working man but they brought prosperity down at the armory we're arming for peace me boys between the wars. But for the helping hand For theirs is a land With a wall around it And mine is a faith My fellow man Theirs is a land of hope and glory Mine is the green field and the 
factory floor These are the skies all dark with bombers and mine Is the peace we knew between the wars Call up the craftsmen, bring me the draftsmen Build me a path from cradle to grave And I'll give my consent to any government That does not deny a man a living wage Go find the young men Never to fight again Bring up the banners from the days gone by Sweet moderation Heart of this nation Desert us not We are between the wars Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui Dunedin's favourite goddess Tahu Mackenzie Kia ora koutou, nga mahi aranui, kia koutou, koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstar in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on to is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, part of nature's are perfect, unique and here, making thank you. Now I know for us all the last more than three years have been very difficult. It's so important that we give ourselves the care, the compassion, understanding, the love that we all so richly just need at this to recover, recalibrate and face the world again in so many new ways. As I talk to you now, you can hear that I'm very croaky and this is all because of having a big band practice last night when I had a bit of a, a sore throat. So I apologise for this unusual voice that you're hearing. Of course, this got me thinking that for all of us, we've had to persevere, we've had to keep going, despite things being different, and despite our own skill set, at times, no longer being able to be used in the same way. We've had to adapt so much. And of course, now that we've returned to a semblance of our previous lives, though everything's so different, some of those skills can come back to fore, which is a wonderful feeling. And the new skills that we've developed can also support us at this time. And of course we see patterns of behaviour like this in the living world. I'm so lucky to have done environmental education for the last 17 years. And really it's my fave. For us as a species, of course, we're so good at nurturing life around us, connecting with life around us, connecting with nature. And when we do, a very ancient part of us awakens again and looks around and feels at home. And this is so important. So I really hope for you, you're getting the opportunity to really appreciate all the skills that you possess, that you have gathered, that you have grown, that you've used, that you've needed. And if some of those skills have been lying dormant over the last couple of years, that they're now able to re-emerge and come to the fore again. And it's quite an exciting journey that we can have these different aspects of ourselves coming forward and moving back at different times. It's a beautiful dance and of course being part of this show has helped me enormously over the last several years and hearing the stories of people all over the world, the innovative ways that they have moved through this time is so inspiring. So a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me and to all of you for being part of the 
revolutionizing the war mansion and I have been setting free lots of treasure back to the universe. I've set up a spare room for my keyboard player to come and stay. I've bagged up lots of treasure to go forth and be gifted back to the universe. I've moved huge amounts of furniture with my partner and my younger brother's help and transformation has taken place on a large scale. And as I am moving things and making space, a sense of renewal and a sense of freedom is really coming to the fore. And so I really hope for you, you're also able to have this sense of new beginning, have this sense of making a life for yourself that reflects who you are now and really enjoy that process and get the support that you need to do that. So again, thank you all for having me. I really look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with David Stewart. There's a good railwayman communicator in the UK at the moment. I'm pretty impressed with that Mick Lynch. I haven't seen it. I oh, okay. You look, look up Mick Lynch. He's the president or something of the railway union in the in the UK, and he's a brilliant speaker. Well, I um, I left school uh, at sixteen or something. I got school C, but I wasn't dad. My dad wasn't going to put up with me going to university and partying and smoking dope for a job. So he made me get a job and I had to get a trade. So I went down to the railway workshops at Otahuhu and I became coach builder. And that environment, it was about 1,100 people there, and that environment had everything, including some really, really radical politics. And um, I just just gravitated towards that um, and learnt a lot about politics from those 900 or 1100 people, um, every kind of politics. And uh, I became the secretary of the union on that site and I was secretary there for eight years until they basically bulldozed the place. Um, and I learned in, in that how you can take numbers of, of, and I think the way Jacinda Ardern made that coalition work. You can take huge numbers of people to where they want to go if you understand where they want to go. And that's the key of leadership. Leadership isn't saying, follow me. Leadership is going, what is it that you want? I'll show you how to get there. And, um, yeah, we had some, we had the, in the, in the, at the Otahu workshops, we had the first voluntary unionism dispute and um which we which we won and um uh, through the history of that site over the years and as secretary of the union i got to get into the files it's the history of that site and all of the important issues that new zealand working class faced the otahu workshops made the correct stand on every issue including the 51 uh, waterfront strike uh the springbok tour the no marriage no tour all of those political issues were canvassed on the site amongst all the uh, workers and a, a policy was resolved. And um, we had access, you're talking about freedom of speech and freedom of information. We had access on that site to anybody could come into that work site at lunchtime 
and speak to the workers. And we had the, the NUM during the um, miners' strike. We had uh, um, people from the, um, the landmarks, the uh, 75 landmarks. All the way through, we, we had access to different ideas. And, you know, if you give people the right ideas, it's the seed that you can plant and it can, be, it can, it can grow. And it's just planting that seed. And we were able to do that. So I would imagine, um, knowing the way that um, the history of the working class uh, progressive movement is that that isn't any different anywhere else in the world. Progressive ideas have been formulated through industrial sites right from the beginning. And that's where they come from. We've seen lots of changes in society over the last three years. What do you think is going to stick and perhaps, or has stuck and what do you hope will stick? Well, I think that kindness will stick. Um, We've, we've got, we've got, you know, we, 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 it's easy to be overwhelmed by what we think is really happening. Um, and it, I take things away from one of the recent polls had, what do you think is the, is New Zealand more divided now than ever before? That was the question. Yes, it is. And straight away, my reaction was, oh, that'll be all those bloody crazies down in Wellington, you know, the wombats, I call them. But what is causing that division? Access to housing. And it, it, that was, that was <laughs> just warmed my heart that, um, yes, New Zealand's more divided, but what's dividing New Zealanders isn't mandates and vaccines and 1080, you know, all of those things un, unhelpful and not nice. But the thing that's dividing New Zealanders is that housing and access to housing has become something for the very wealthy people to have. I bought a house as a third-year apprentice with $600, you know, on a single income, an apprentice income. It was $28,500. I'm a boomer, you know. That's why we're okay. We got we got a house that was three times our annual salary. Now our house is 10 or 15 times your annual salary, that's that's the, that's the thing that sticks to me is that we've got much more inequality now than is healthy. And people know it. Do you think that we can learn something for those bigger sorts of problems like inequality and climate change we talked about before from how from the pandemic and and how we've responded to it? Yeah, well, we just have to keep reminding ourselves that in lockdown one, it only took about two weeks before the Waitamata Harbour looked clean again, you know, and the amount of pollution that wasn't around and how clean everything was when we stopped driving our cars. So we only have to be reminded of it, and it's that signal isn't being amplified. What's being amplified is, oh, we have to stay home and, you know, uh, we lost our freedoms and, you know, we, we amplify, if we amplify the negative, we'll get a, a very loud negative 
Echo Chamber. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Me? Yep. I retired. And I retired in a uh, in an environment that was quite hostile. And in horse racing, I, I was a photo finish operator. I did photo finish uh, from 1981 when I picked up a camera for the first time. Uh, and I, I became a photo finish operator and I mastered that. And I got to go back to the railways. And when I was a union advocate there, I was quite stroppy. And a, a, an old Marxist told me once, he said, Dave, revolutionaries never get fired for being revolutionaries. They get fired for turning up late back from lunch. So I was the first one on the job and I worked to the whistle and all the rest of it. And in, in photo finish, I was great. I wasn't just ordinary. I was the best they had. And they couldn't really replace me because I had all the stuff up in my head and I wouldn't tell anyone else my secrets. So when I upset a few people, and I did, um, there was a movement to get me out in about 2018 and it didn't work. So I left in 2022 after 41 years and I resigned and I got a bottle of wine from this club and a handshake from that president and I left on my own terms. And this is the key, is my biggest achievement of the last couple of years was exiting racing, horse racing, Winston's mob and the National Party people, exiting that industry on my own terms. And I'm very proud of that. Indeed. So we're writing a book of these these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? My superpower, never lose faith in the people. That's my superpower. Never lose faith in the people. The people will make mistakes, but they will never be wrong. It's your job to correct their mistakes. That's a fun distinction. Mistakes, but never be wrong. No, mistakes are wrong, but the people are never wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because they're doing things for the right reasons, even if they're misinformed or something. Is, is that the... Yeah, um, we all make mistakes. You know, you do, I do. We all make mistakes, but it doesn't mean we're bad people or that we're that we're wrong and we should be condemned. Um, you know, I can remember when uh, a bunch of, of um, uh, senior politicians retired were asked, what was New Zealand's, what was New Zealand, what was your biggest regret or what was New Zealand's biggest mistake? And Sir Keith Holyoke replied saying, I want to have a couple of days to think about this. And he'd come back and he said, getting involved in the Vietnam War. And I thought that was major, you know, that someone like Holyoke, who was so where 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 America goes, we go right and wrong, right and wrong. And to, to say that that was a mistake, to reflect on that and say it was a mistake, I thought that was huge. And it stuck with me, you know. And it was like, even though Holyoke was wrong, 
he acknowledged later on that it was a mistake. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Well, now that I'm fully retired, I am recommitted to becoming a little bit more active. And I realise that, you know, I've, I've left it to the others up until recently. And I knew when I was facing retirement of what I wanted to do. And I thought I need to apply some current to my signal and amplify it. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Tui, my dog. <laughs> and the sunshine. Uh, I get up. I don't have an alarm clock. I've never had an alarm clock. I get up when the sun comes up. And, um, yeah, it's a whole new day, and I hate going to bed. I, I want to stay up and enjoy as much of the day and make the day as long as I can. I'm never bored. I've got so much to do. Um yeah, and my dog takes me around the block twice a day and I take a bike ride into town and meet people. What gets me up? Being alive. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Making sure that ACT don't become part of the next government. I think, I think if we strip it all down... The biggest threat to New Zealand is the ACT Party and what they stand for. And they stand for um, complete entitlement of the most selfish people in the world. And we all, that is, the ACT Party has been around for nearly 30 years, you know, a um, bit longer if you take the arguments that were going on in National when um, Muldoon was running it. That's where the ACT Party came from. And they've had 30 years to convince New Zealand of the way forward, and they've got 10% support or 90% rejection rate. And they've had a, a plenty of time to do that, and, and they haven't succeeded. And they haven't succeeded because people aren't stupid. People don't want that kind of society because that kind of society will become unstable very quickly. And that will lead to revolution. So as a revolutionary, it would be great if ACT got in because we bring the revolution forward by about a generation. But in reality, we're not ready for it. And keeping the ACT party in opposition is where we all need to be focusing. And that's going to be my focus for this election. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Speak up. It's good advice. <laughs> yeah. Some things need to be said. Say them. Thank you Don't for that. Worry. Don't worry if someone shoots you down. Just say what needs to be said. Aware. David, sometimes in life we do need to make a stand and we don't know how... And you have modelled that so perfectly with grace and goodness. Um, thank you for being the change and for the courage of your convictions, for your insight, your wisdom, and just generally your goodness. Thank you. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You say you want to rest. 
listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic Tiku Kanga. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is The Beatles Revolution. I'm Samuel Mayne in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Nawira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined by David Stewart in Fakatani. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.